0: Hi, my name is Twyla, and I want to welcome you to Lifeline Community Church's Sermon Podcast. We're a church committed to inspiring people to follow Jesus further. We believe that everything in Scripture points towards Jesus, and no matter where you are in life, we believe everyone can find Him. When we do find Him, He leads us to a life that thrives. I hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Take care. Up if you're just checking us out for the first time or maybe the second time, whatever it is, um, we have been going through a month long conversation as a church about things that essentially people are whispering about inside the church, but maybe we aren't talking about out loud. We're wrestling out topics like depression and anxiety and addiction and isolation, and then asking the question after all this so, what does the church do? The people, what do we do with some of these topics? And what that means is we are attacking some of these topics from a bunch of different angles. And what that means is that we will not be able to address every angle on every topic that we possibly could. Which means you should be at church every Sunday. See how we did that? That's work, working that out. That's, what, that's one of the things we hope for. And what we want to do in this series specifically, and this, is, this shapes a lot of what we're going to talk about, is we want to provide a perspective that is biblically informed while being resources that are practically helpful. Meaning that, I mean, I said this at the very beginning of the service, people don't need to know the Greek word for life, project, life preserver. Sometimes you just need to throw them one. That, that's essentially what we're happening. So we're giving tools and things to actually walk out of here with today that you can actually uh, walk on with. And I want to say this because I do think that sometimes we forget And so I just want to point this to because, you know, glory to God in this. I have heard stories since we started this series about people and what they've experienced. And I just want to tell you the Lord's moving. He is providing healing and hope to people that sit in these chairs the last couple weeks. And it seems like since January, something's changed in our church to where He's actually moving and there's people experiencing His freedom as we walk through this. You need to know that. That's what you're sitting in the middle of, that God will actually speak to someone today and make known a truth in their life. And some of y'all are going to lean into it. That's what's happening. It's where we sing a song or we read a scripture and an awareness happens and the Holy Spirit makes something known to you and you step back and go, oh, that's what's going to happen. And as a church, we want to come alongside you in that process, meaning, and we, we illustrated this last week, there are things where when you get to a point where you have clenched your fist so long in your life that you finally want to open it up to what God might have for you, we want to do that. We want to help you as you start this process. And so what that means is we have a couple opportunities for you. Uh, the resources, um, the flyer piece, you can actually get this at the table. We've been talking about this a couple weeks. Uh, it starts this week, right? Is that right? Yeah. Um, this is a cool opportunity. What's this for? This is for people that have someone that's going through something like this. So topics like you know, anxiety and the body and how it works, oftentimes just knowing how this stuff functions in our life can help us lead our kids. Um, let's talk about what mental health is, the good, the bad, I'm not so sure, because that's just, everybody uses that right now. So what is it actually in our lives? Um, parents helping children with anxiety, there's another big piece, and then there's this big one right here, uh, suicidal thoughts. Um, this is one of those things that's much more prevalent in our community and in our, uh, our nation right now than we realize. So if you're interested in some of these topics, this is all free. Um, you can grab the paper out there, um, contact information, so that's a, that's a chance for you as, as a parent family, all that stuff to be a part of. I will say this one, I'm pretty sure kids can't come to this one, so the parents, this is just for you, all right? Okay, how we doing? Y'all, what's up? Y'all feeling good? I mean, that, that thing freaking you out as bad as it is? I keep thinking it's like a big bug. Anyways, um, and last one, not least, uh, info, info at lifelinecc.com. Um, we have, so here's the thing. We're going to talk about stuff, and what does the Bible say about some of this stuff? And some of y'all are living in that stuff right now, and my hope is that you don't stay there. And so we as a church have a bunch of resources available to you to step out of the stuff that you're in to a point Lifeline is financially uh, ready to help you get started, that is no small thing. If we get like 20 people, we don't know how are going to do it. The Lord's going to provide. We're all leaning in that. But we have, we have intentionally said we will put money to help you get started in all this. So please do not let money be a stopper for you in some of this stuff. Does that make sense? Are you all with me? Okay, great. Thank you. All right. Um, a little discretion. Well, on discretion. Um, back thought for me. Um, I, as I was writing this message and putting thoughts down, I found myself realizing something. This message is going to be really difficult for some of us. And the reason being, it's going to be really easy for you to nod your head today. And, me, and what that means is, there is a chance that you are going to say this. Preacher man, that sounds good but then don't go do it. That sounds real good. But I, I'm not actually going to go do that. And I got thinking about this. I realized that sometimes you're just planting seeds. This is a five-year message for some of us. It will not click until five years from now. Um, I'm giving away six things, and you're going to get stuck on one of them. Um, some of y'all are going to sit here and it's going to almost overwhelm you so what you're going to do instead is just shut down and I pray that you don't Uh, this is going to hit those that have strong apathy if you just, I don't care I do not care and honestly if I'm just being point blank because it's such a head nod type Sunday I am asking a lot of you aren't you glad you're at church today? So I'm just going to dive right in. Y'all take that for what it is. Um, my family has a strong tendency toward alcoholism. Um, you don't know much about my family, probably. Um, grandfather on both sides, uh, they struggled with it. One of them actually died because of it, um, and it could have stemmed from the PTSD that was in their life because one of them went through World War II and the other one went through Vietnam War. And I remember as a kid. My of the school projects that I had, I had to go ask, uh, I had to find out like, something about World War II, and I knew my grandfather, he served, he was on the USS Pruitt, Pearl Harbor, all that type of stuff, and uh, I figured as a nine-year-old, well, shoot, I'll just I'll go ask my grandfather, I mean, horse's mouth type stuff, you know, that, that seems like a smart thing. And I started asking him, and he started telling me these stories, and I realized, you know, you ever have one of those moments where you have a memory? As a kid and as an adult, you start to realize, think about that memory. It's like, oh, I didn't even catch that. But as an adult, like, ah, there was something else going on there. And as an adult, thinking about this memory, I realized that he was hesitant to talk to me. And it went from this moment in this conversation with him, as the memory goes, that he, he, he pivoted. He went from telling the story to almost living the story. Does that make sense? And he may, I remember what he said, and I'm not going to say it from, from the stage because I just don't think it would be helpful. Um, but that was the time, that, at the moment he said that, my mom rushed in and she said, and I didn't understand this at the time, but now looking back, I didn't understand what was going on, but she rushed in and said, okay, that's enough. And the conversation wrapped up. And looking back at that moment, it was clear. As an adult, looking back in my kid's memory, my kid memory, uh, it was very clear that my grandfather had to actively manage his thoughts. And then there's these sometimes where the closet door that kind of housed all these really dark thoughts would actually accidentally open and things would come out. And it's interesting because that type of scenario where, you know, what accidentally comes out of our minds is a scenario that we've all kind of bumped into. And many times I've sat down with people and had that exact same scenario that I had with my grandfather where the questions got so honest and the scenario got so real that things just kinda came out. I have sat down with couples looking for marriage counseling. Stuff came out. I've talked with people about their depressions, their fears that oftentimes instigated those depressions. I've had people, ironically, experience anxiety while they were telling me about what made them anxious. I've had countless conversations about insecurity of worth and shame and guilt and all these things boil down to what goes on in our minds. And it's come to make me realize this. Most of us in here are like the rest of us. And so I say this to say this today. I don't know your background. I don't know your story. I might know pieces of it. But if you're walking in and you feel like the sore thumb in this conversation. I want you to know this is a bunch of jacked up people. And we're in here because we know that. And we recognize that we need Christ in our lives. And so if you're walking in and you're like, you're thinking everybody's got their, you know, polished lives, all worked out, all that type of stuff, that's not true. No one in this room has this figured out, if anything, we're in this room because we recognize that we can't. And so we're leaning in to Jesus. Jesus you're not alone. I say this every week, but it's so crucial that you're here. You hear this. You're not alone. And you know that. So let's talk about something today that everyone in this room has experienced. I'm just getting y'all comfortable. Let's talk about addiction. (laughs) What is addiction? I'm going to define it this way. Anything that has a firm grip on a person's life. Take that in. Anything that has a firm grip on a person's life. Anything that keeps you stuck. You're living your life this way because of this thing. Anything that keeps you from experiencing the freedom that Jesus talked about in Scripture. Because here's the reality. Some of us are in bondage to things like fear or shame or guilt or perfectionism or codependency or even deep-seated anger. It's not really what comes to mind when we think of addiction, is it? We think of things, something like this, like, you know, this alcoholism in my life has become unmanageable, or maybe it's this drug, or maybe it's gambling, or it's an eating disorder, too much, or too little, or pornography, or some type of other type of sexual addiction. Those are kind of some things that come to mind. And so what I want to define for us today is addiction is anything that urges you to engage in a specific type of behavior. Anything that urges you to engage in a specific type of behavior. And what we just highlighted, okay, take that. What we just highlighted is what scripture refers to as a stronghold. It is referred to as a stronghold in your life. What is that? It is something that dominates how you live your life. It dominates it. It dominates your thoughts. It dominates your behaviors, and it keeps you operating a certain way. What you decide, you don't decide what you do. Here it is. You decide what you do based off of that thing. Meaning, you make decisions about what your day will actually look like based off that thing. And at its root, addiction says things like this. I have to. I can't turn away. Some of y'all are weirdly addicted to Dr. Pimple Popper. Do y'all know what that is? Y'all are some strange folks. And the fact that, yeah, everybody's just like, oh, no, he's talking about me. You can't turn away. I have to know what happens. I was like, it's the same gross thing every single time. What's up with this? Here's another thing that addiction says. I will do this as long as I can have that. Have that smoke. I'll show up as long as there's a smoking section. I'll show up as uh, long as I can get a drink. I'll show up as long as I don't feel insecure. Here's another one. I know it's bad, but. I know this is selfish, but. Today, I want to talk about breaking some of those chains. And today, I'd like to give you some tools, real practical tools to where you can actually step toward freedom and wholeness. And to remember this, I'm going to give you an acronym because acronyms always help us remember. I'm going to take you to the dentist today. Ready? I'm going to give you braces. Oh, come on. Y'all got to lighten up. And this is how we're going to start with this. The B starts for broken. Um, There are two types of people I've discovered inside the world, and I know I'm blanket statementing some of this, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. There are those that know they're broken, and then there's those that don't know they're broken. There's usually the two types of people. Those that are aware that, yeah, I'm broken, and then there's those that are completely unaware that I am broken. And it's interesting because Jesus knew this about us. Which if you kind of take that lens right here and actually slap it on scripture as you read, you start to kind of realize, like, man, he was really intentional. He was a master teacher in what, what he did. And he knew one of the first steps to anyone's life, that to follow him, they needed to realize one thing in their life. And it's that. They are broken. And more specifically, that they are in need of fixing So he started out with this, a message to a bunch of people in the crowd listening one day, and this is how he chose to start a sermon, and this is what he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, which is a really weird thing to say as a teacher, because it'd be like me getting up here and saying something kind of like that isn't ever said before, which I couldn't think of anything, um, surprisingly, but the moment that, put that slide back up there, keep it there. The moment—not that one—I'm um, <laughs> making him. Ah! Everyone's ears would have perked up when he said this because it would have been so out of normal for for what was actually being said at the time. Meaning, let's think about who is in this crowd. We have folks like an ex-con or a prostitute, a Greek, someone that isn't Jewish the crippled, business owners, families with sick kids, the homeless, people worked to death, divorced. And I imagine when he said this, he locked eyes with many of them and said, blessed are you. Let's uh, throw up another translation to kind of get to the heart of what he's talking about. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Which is weird because everybody up to this point, all those folks sitting in the crowd probably would have thought, "Would no, 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 bless are the hyper-spiritual. They're the ones that are going to get into heaven because they do all the right things. But you're saying, me? That's what he's putting on the table. I'm, I'm just a, a poor person with jacked up life. Let's say it in, in a few different words. I'm going to try to put some heartbeat to this. Blessed are those who know that they're addicts, that know they can't stop their addiction and know they need help because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Right? Um, Jeff Foxworthy, he's a comedian. Um, gave some, created some words a while back that I thought would kind of lean into a big idea for us, so we get to have a little bit of a fun with this. And he, he titled these things called Redneck Words. And the ironic, ironic thing is, I'm about to help some of you transplants know what's being said around you, and some of y'all actually use these words, so it's all going to be a good thing. So here, here's the first word that uh, Jeff kind of puts up on the table. It says mayonnaise. <laughs> what is, what's this word? He says this. Mayonnaise, a lot of people in here. All right, yeah, okay, see how this works? Okay, and here's the next one. Aorta. Man, aorta cut the grass at the ball field. All right, all right, here's the next one. Initiate. <laughs> My wife ate a bag of potato chips and then a hamburger. <laughs> all right, here's another one. Would you, did you? You didn't have to bring your fishing pole, would you, did you? <laughs> I uh, found a few more made-up words this past week. This one's called Esplanade. Uh, this is what you do uh, when you're trying to explain uh, an, attempted at, an attempt at an explanation while drunk. Okay, uh, Pokemon. This one made me laugh so hard. Uh, this is a Jamaican proctologist. <laughs> yeah, thank like you. You know what a proctologist is. Well, that's funny to me. Uh, here's another one. This one's called a Hypofine This is a person who knows they're sick but keeps saying... I'm fine. <laughs> know anyone that's a react? I'm fine. I got this. That thing in my life, not really causing any problems. I'm not addicted. I can stop whenever I want to. I just don't know if I want to stop. Not really affecting me to work or function. I bet you people don't even know about it. I'm fine. I am fine. In John 5, Jesus meets this guy who's been an invalid for some 38 years. And it's interesting because Jesus walks into this scenario. I was actually reading today that one of the reasons that they might have thought this pool had significance is because just right down the corner, there is a statue of a God of blessing and healing that the Romans used to worship. And so people thought that that water might have had power because of that. And so there's a bunch of people gathered around this pool, and they, whenever the water would start to swirl, they'd all scramble to get in there. And inside of this moment is this wild story of healing and recovery and changed life. But before Jesus gets to any of that moment, you know what he does? He asks them this really strange question. Think about the scenario. And this is what he asked them. Would you like to get well? Take that in. 38 years. Would you like to get well? If someone were to ask me that, I don't know what I would do. If, I mean, just honestly, bro, I can't walk. What do you mean? Why would you ask that type of thing? It'd be like someone asking the question like, hey, you want a sandwich after you haven't eaten in days? I mean, it's one of those things that that could be actually pretty offensive, right? But if I put this on my life, take this question that Jesus just asked, and I actually look at my own stubborn refusal to change, to actually recognize a truth about my life that I'm a hard person at times. I'm unforgiving, I'm prideful, I'm arrogant, and I'm dismissive. And actually recognizing what I say at times doesn't line up with actually what I do doesn't line up and it's interesting because after being around people for years and years that live in this type of denial I have come to realize that is far from a stupid question if anything that question actually matters the most because we may know that there are problems in our lives we may know things are out of control things are actually spiraling but this question here it is decides if anything actually changes in our life. Do you really want to get well? And an honest yes to that question starts with realizing how broken that you and I are and the freedom that begins with that is an admission of brokenness, simply saying this, I need help. And I don't mean that just saying the words. I mean it's a realization that happens in your soul. I need help. I quite literally cannot do this. And here's the good news. God has the power to help. He does. Say it another way. When we actually get humble and we actually admit our weaknesses. It's here we gain God's strength, and here it is. We give him permission to actually flow through us and start breaking down those strongholds inside of our lives. That's what's being put up. So the good news is, God can help. Here's the better news. He actually wants to in your life. He actually wants to work inside your life. But it all starts with this question. Would you really, really, are you tired of it? Has it crushed you enough? Have you lived with it long enough? Like to get well. What comes with when we get humble is we finally let go of our pride. We decide to stop living in denial and we can actually do the next step, which is this. We can actually release control because now we see how much control it had. Folks in this moment say things like this I am so broken. I am willing to give up control of my life to someone greater than me. That's what folks in this moment say. I am so jacked up. I have no clue. I'm willing because I have hurt long enough to give up control of my life to someone greater than me. Someone who can actually help me. Someone who can actually heal me and actually break these chains inside of my life. And when you surrender to God and release control to him, he starts working inside of your life. I uh, heard a joke about a pastor and a cab driver. Um, both die. It's probably not the best way to intro in that joke, but, you know, both die. Peter's at the gate, and he's waiting on them. And Peter sees the cab driver. He's like, oh, man, we've been... So excited that you're here, all that type of stuff, wonderful stuff. And he says, I'm going to take you to the biggest mansion you've got, all that type of thing. So he picks him up, takes him to this mansion. He's like, man, this is wonderful, all that type of stuff. And so the pastor's right behind him, and he's like, okay, yeah, my turn. And so the Peter says, okay, great. And he takes the pastor to a hut. And the pastor looks at them and says, how, how does this work? Like cab driver, big mansion, pastor, hut, all that type of stuff. I was a pastor, I had church duties, people's respect, all that type of thing. I taught God's word. And Peter responded with, well, up here we work by results. During your sermons, everybody slept. But when they got in the cab, they prayed. (laughs) Pride can blind us to what's in front of us. You know what keeps me from surrendering? pride, ego. I'm going to say this with a bit of an edge, but the thing about ego and pride is it keeps many of us from experiencing God's love. Ego and pride in my life, if I'm not careful, will actually keep me from experiencing his love for me, experiencing his wisdom, experiencing his leadership. How does that all work? Well, We won't let go. We won't let go. And I say this with, I don't know how to say this as powerfully as it is, but when he has told you numerous times to a point, he has told some of us to a point that we have stopped hearing him because he has stopped saying it. I guess the warning shot across the bow would be this God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So let me ask you an honest question. Do you want to get well? Humility is the key to recovery, really. There's probably none more humble than this man right here. Um, One of the things I've thought about for years is don't be like a pastor, go be like a missionary. And I don't mean that like go, like be like, like look to missionaries as like people to live up to, their character, all that type of stuff. And this guy right here is George Mueller. Um, 1836, him and his wife started an orphanage out of their home. And in the span of a few years, they went from 30 kids in their own home to some five buildings that served somewhere around 1,700 orphans. And due to the time period, he never asked, for financial help, or went into debt, God simply provided. And it's interesting, because one specific instance, you can actually go read his autobiography where he tells this story, and there's numerous stories like this. All these kids in the home that they were in for that day were sitting around the table, and they were sitting down to eat breakfast, and there was nothing, nothing to eat. And in his autobiography, he roughly says something to the effect of like, well, we don't know what to do, so we're just going to pray. Prayed right after they finished praying, as he describes it. There was a knock on the door. A baker showed up. Had enough bread for every kid. Gets crazier. Apparently, the milkman's truck had broken down outside, and they had to give all the milk away because it would spoil, so they just happened to be out the front door. The thing about George is, that man has clearly released control. This is a daily throughout your day where you should lean into what God has for you. Now, this is why I want to say this. Should you live like George Mueller? Because some of us just heard, oh, I should live like George Mueller. Should you live like George Mueller? Maybe. The more important question I'd ask is this one. Should you surrender like him? Absolutely. Help me to take this step. Help me to lean into your presence and power. Help me to lean in here. I am actually going to release control. And when you do this, here's the thing. When you allow this to actually happen in your life, what follows is this. You can actually do this. Appraise honestly your life. Actually begin to look at what's going on. Because now you've gotten to a point where you're more concerned about being honest than you're concerned about being prideful, meaning that your fear of this is now being outweighed because you recognize that you need help. You ask the questions like, if I were to look at my life, all of my life, what's going on, how my kids relate to me, how my spouse relates to me, what this thing is doing to my life right now and the here and now, all that type of stuff. Where am I going to be in 10 years? Like, Really? Like you've heard enough and you've experienced enough to where now you're asking the question that actually matters, which is, where is this going to take me? One of the most valuable practices that you can have inside of your life is to actually look at yourself. Then ask God this question, if you're brave enough, what do you see? What do you don't see? And if you do this honestly, actually take a fearless moral inventory, get past the struggle, the dysfunction. Telling the truth about ourselves, then God will make it known to you. Um, right now, Ruby's developing freckles, which is great because we're in the process of counting them. <laughs> she got one right here on her finger, and it was a big deal to her because one, she was trying to wash it off one day, and I was like, "Nah, I probably shouldn't do that." <laughs> She's got three, three freckles. We're counting them. One's here. One's on the back of the arm. And it's interesting because what she's doing is she's taking a look at herself honestly. Can I encourage you to count your freckles? Psalm has said it this way. Hopefully. There it is Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If you want to know what gets to the center of real, you pray that. He'll speak to you. Here's the thing. If you do something like that, you know what you can't do? You can't live a lie. You can't do it. And this is the step that every single one of us in here that God is hoping that you would take to ask this question with him. This is also the step that many of us will neglect. Because if we do this, you know what comes with this? And you've kind of started to feel it already. This will be incredibly uncomfortable. Because then you've got to live with what you hear, right? And so what we do instead is some of us just push things under the rug. Nope, just going to ignore that. Some of us, instead of doing this, what we'll do is we'll say, you know, I'll just solve it myself. I'll do all that I need to do. I'm just not going to ask God, or better yet, some of us are so ashamed of what this might actually produce in our lives that we don't even look at it. I don't even like myself. Why would I ask God about myself? So I'm not going to do this. So again, the question comes up. Do you really, really want to get well. It's interesting. For those of us who have actually done this, we actually appraised our life honestly, here's the challenge. For those of us that are paying attention and maybe you're sitting there thinking like, hmm, I need to do this. Here's some homework. I want you to get some pen and paper at some point. And I want you to pray this prayer. You can write down in Psalms 139. And I just want you to simply ask this question. Lord, are there any character defects in me? I trust that you're good. What do you see I need to work on? What's the honest truth about me? Take me to the root of what's going on in my life. What do I have? Any bitterness or resentment? And if you're brave enough, you ask the follow-up question, which is this. Why is that there? Point out all the things that I've done, no matter how painful, and what I need to see is there. And it's interesting, because those of us that have actually done this and allow God to work here, we now know the freedom that Jesus talked about in Scripture, and here's the thing. It actually keeps us coming back, as weird as that is, those of us that have walked this path, we step back and say, man, that hurts at times. But yeah, you keep doing it. Now, if you haven't felt I've gotten intrusive into your life already, I'm about to get worse. Um, and I want to say this from, I want you to hear this. This is from a place of love. I am not saying this in a place of con- condemnation or guilt or any of that type of stuff. I say this from a place of love. This is what Proverbs 28 warns. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Now, there's a couple things that just happen in your mind. One of them is, well, what do you mean by prosper? Live the life that God hopes for you. You might get all the money in your world. And if that's what you're after, then that's, that, that's a different scenario. But you're talking about freedom and peace? That's what it's talking about. That's what it's pointing to. So let me read this for you again. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. You know how I say this? Secrets breed sin. Here's the intrusive part. I'm going to let you sit with this one awkwardly for the next 10 seconds. The sin that you want to conceal most is the one that you need to reveal most. The sin that you want to conceal most is the one that you need to reveal most. You know what the good news is? You'll receive mercy. You will. You will receive mercy. Now, I'm going to call some of us on the carpet. Woo, aren't you just glad you're at church today, man? I'm just getting y'all down and the... see. Some of us. This is what just happened in the room. We heard all this, and there was this inner response of this: "No." So I want you to ask yourself if that's you. Was that pride? I'll ask it a nicer way, so it makes it a little bit more tangible. Am I afraid people will look down on me? Am I afraid? Can I tell you this? If that's you. If you're sitting there realizing, mm, that was me. No. Me too. Me too. And all that stuff you just thought, I get it. And I got my own stuff. I meet bi-weekly with two guys. I got another two guys that I meet with weekly. And one of the questions they ask me is, any secrets? Any secrets? Any secrets in your life tell? And I share my life with them. They know my character defects, all the things that I'm terrible at, the things I'm not good at, all the things that I'm good at, all those things, all those things. And this right here, being able to confess to somebody is probably one of the most powerful steps on your way to freedom in Christ. So practical takeaway for those that are listening and saying, I want to be well, find someone that knows what you're trying to do by sitting down with them and having this type of conversation. I want you to actually go and confide in someone that's mature enough that won't be shocked and definitely won't go post it on social media because no one needs that. I want you to say that. I want you to know this. They need to know the Lord personally. And I would also advise someone that has walked with him a while. So what does the Lord do after we oftentimes appraise our lives honestly? He leads us to this. Confess sincerely. One of the most common things that keeps people locked up, and I run into it on the regular, and and it's helped me see it in my own life, is bitterness. If you confess sincerely, you have to get honest, meaning you actually take an honest look at yourself. It's this fearless evaluation of what is going on in the inner world of Kel. And if you do this, what you'll find... Is, all, is a lot of regret, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, and a lot of the disappointment one way or the other. It's interesting because it stems from our interaction with people. All that stuff. You start to take a look at your inner self. All the regret, all the shame, the guilt that you feel, the disappointment, whether it's coming out from anywhere else, usually traces back to a person. We had things done to us. We did things to others. We need to confess that stuff. Now, what I'm about to lean into, for those that are listening, this is going to feel like I'm about to put salt in the wound. But Jesus made a really big deal of this stuff. So I'll lead in with this. Sometimes it's not always possible to do what I'm about to point to. And it's also not also profitable. You've got to hold those things in tension. But this is what you need to do. You need to seek forgiveness of those you've hurt. It might not be possible and it might not be profitable for the the tangible ways here, but you need to do this. You need to seek forgiveness of those that you're hurt. You may need to stand before some people inside of your life and you are completely remorseful and you simply look at them and say, "I I forgive you. Would you forgive me? And this is an incredibly important step in releasing strongholds inside of your life. But you must walk in. Here it is. You must walk into this moment. And I cannot tell you because I've seen this stuff go south so many times. You must walk in with this thought. It's not about me. Do not make this about them. This is an act of humility. And what you're doing when you step into a room and you say, I need to, I need to seek forgiveness of those you hurt, is you're saying, I am owning, I am taking responsibility for what I have done to you. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not playing the victim card. You're not expecting anything in return. You will do this even if they don't forgive you. You will do it even if you can't fix things. You will do it because you want to be made well. And the sheer act of owning this part Starts a conversation about freedom in your heart through the Holy Spirit. And this is such a crucial part of our lives that if you think about the implications of this, that Jesus was asked, teach us to pray, and part of your prayer life is this, and forgive us our sins. And he leans into another idea. As we forgive those who sin against us, you need to seek forgiveness of those you've hurt and forgive those that hurt you. I mean, I say this. I thought about throwing a bunch of jokes in here today, but I'll be honest with you. This is not easy stuff. And I say this with as much sensitivity as I can. This is going to be a really hard hill for some of us to climb, what I'm about to point to. Because there are some people that really hurt you. And I mean like really hurt you. It hurts you in ways that you can't describe. And for some of us, we've just chosen to ignore because let's be real. It is so painful to think about. One of the reasons that you're probably hesitant to even listen to me on this one is because what I'm about to point you to is going to feel like, are you saying let them off the hook? It's going to feel like I'm telling you to let them get away with it, whatever it would be, or it's going to come to a point where you're saying, that's not fair. They don't deserve that. And I want to say this. I get it. But even still, this starts to point to why I think Jesus said, to follow him, it is a narrow road. Because it's so hard. And some of us won't be able to bring ourselves to actually do it. Paul being one who was betrayed multiple times, experienced immense hurt from others, said this. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must. Why? Why? Because if you don't, you will live the rest of your life with that thing holding you down. Stronghold. So here's reality. We owe God big time. He didn't give us what was fair. He gave us his son and took our sins and gave it to him. And what that means for me and you is you no longer are getting the jail time that you deserve. It's been forgiven. That record, wiped clean. So, for those that are listening, take time to do this. What I want you to do is this I want you to list off all the people that hurt you, whether it's possible or probable. Make the choice to forgive those painful memories, don't fight them. Allow them to come up. Allow God to bring those to mind. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this is, these words don't describe the, the hard, to release them. And I want you to work your way down that list. God, I forgive them for. And just write it down. I'm choosing not to hold on to this. I'm giving up my right to get even. I'm asking you to start healing my damaged emotions. And when you lean into this one, as painful as this one will be, you can do this one. You can start to establish intentionally. Establish what? Your mind. Here's a reality. The way we behave always is a reflection of the way we think. I'm going to say this Again. The way we behave is a reflection of the way we think. I found an illustration this week that you're going to probably relate to if you're this person, but you know, I'm not scared me bad. Here it is: the worst thing that just happened to me. I won't recover. I just reached into the box of free samples outside a chicken restaurant. Only it wasn't free samples; it was a man holding a box of chicken, his chicken. I tried to steal this man's chicken. <laughs> the way we behave. It's often a reflection of the way we think. This person thought that anyone standing outside with a box of tick chicken is always free samples. You understand? I'm giving some humor right now because I know we're hitting it hard. Road. Okay, are you okay? Okay, okay. Which is why Paul said this. He made such a big emphasis on how we think. He said, "Don't copy the behaviors of the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think." Let God. Let him in to actually begin to work in on you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And what he just put on the table is a two-part transformation. It's God's part and our part. See, God's part is the transformation part. Anything besides God transforming us from the inside out, all that really is is behavior modification. Well, I know I need to do this. So I'm just going to start doing this in my life. And what this means is if you don't allow this part, the God part, You will not deal with roots. You will deal with fruits. And what that also means, if you only treat the symptoms, you will never actually address the sickness in your life. And what is the consequences of dealing with fruits and symptoms your whole life? Here's the warning. You will just jump into another thing. You'll quit smoking just to pick up tobacco. What's going on there? It's just one of those things. And our part, and Paul is saying, if you really want to get well, you have to allow a power greater than you to actually come inside you. And here's the our part. You have to listen to how and do what God says to do. Renew your mind to a whole new way of thinking. Here comes a straight shot. And I say this as much grace as I can. If you want to change this year, If you actually want to get well, you cannot keep feeding your mind junk. You want to walk free. You cannot continue to fill your mind with pornographic images. You cannot keep filling your mind with romance novels or provocative movies or explicit music. You cannot go after violent video games, political junk, conspiracy theories, things that encourage envy or revenge fantasies. What you put in your mind will greatly influence your relationship with God and if you actually have a relationship with Him. Whatever you choose to feed has your focus. Whatever you focus on has your attention. Let's say, like Jesus said, it wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Point blank. Here's the soul work. Where's your heart? Is it with that thing or with Jesus? Here's a follow-up question. Have you had enough pain yet? you really want to get well? I have found that the moments that I got desperate enough to surrender an area of my life, God placed people around me. Um, a little side story, I've shared this before. There was a season in my life where uh, my life had hit the fan. And I was in that desperate stage where I said, all right, God, if you're real. This was a moment where I would say, this is where I turn to God. If you're real, help me out. You know what he did? There was an AP art class that I took. You know why I took that AP art class? Because I was good at art. That's why you take AP art classes. But you know why I took that class? Because it was an easy A. The other piece of this, I picked, so one of the things you had to do in this class was pick a a medium or like a thing that you do, um, like painting or pencil drawing or things like that. I picked something, this is me, that intentionally I knew no one else in the classroom would do. You know what that means? You can't say it's bad, like there's nothing to compare it to. You understand? That's what I did for this class. I was looking for an easy A. And during that summer, something happened in my life to where it just blew me apart. And I prayed that, that dumb, desperate prayer. was like, okay, God, if you're real, because this ain't working. He dropped me in that AP art class with two other dudes that had the exact same moment over that summer. You know what that class turned into? Well, a lot of stupid stuff because we were a bunch of young dudes at 18. But one of the things we did was we do that dumb art stuff. Sorry sorry for those artists, that cool art stuff. <laughs> and we read the Bible what the heck did that just mean? I mean, that, that was our conversation. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Um, what's a Levite? <laughs> you know, that type of stuff. And that was what our conversations turned into. God dropped me around that stuff and put people around me in a season of life. Which leads into the next piece. When he put me around those people, you know what I found myself doing? How'd you get in here? Told him that whole story. I'm looking for an easy A. That's interesting. That's almost exactly my story. Um, one of my favorite guys to watch on YouTube is this guy named Duresta. Um, this is like, if you want to know what I take naps to on Sunday afternoons, I'm gonna let you know my world. This is gonna sound really weird until I explain it, that guy. <laughs> but he does these videos that has no music in the background and it's just him building stuff and the best way I can describe him is a master maker, like quite literally he will use, he will make leatherwork stuff, he will make wood stuff, he'll do metal stuff, he'll do all kinds of stuff and it's just him making stuff Fast forward on this video, like sounds and all, super therapeutic for me. This is what I would watch on Sunday afternoons as I'm taking a nap, catching up, all that type of stuff. But the thing about this guy that always amazes me is he could take anything and turn it into something else. He got commissioned to take an AK-47 and turn it into a guitar. Look at this. Oh, 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 you know what I mean? Like it was just one of those things. And I, and, I, and I watched the video of him doing this. Like, it was just unbelievable to watch. Why do I say this? As good as Jimmy Duresta is at repurposing and reusing things, God is better. That's why you share your story. Your story is a repurposed, recycled, reuse of something that was broken and not working can do something that's awesome, Right? Come on, y'all gotta, can, can. yeah, this is what's going on, that God can take that stuff in your life and put it on display in such a way that actually helps people walk through the stuff in their life, because God not only wants to heal you, he not only wants to restore you or change you or guide you, here's the wild part to me, God wants to use you, and it's through your story. How? How? Paul puts it on the table when he said it this way. All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our our merciful Father and the sources of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to get this, give them the same comfort that God has given us. God uses broken vessels like you and I to announce to the world he can do something with broken vessels. That is what you're a part of. And better yet, think about this. Who better to tell the story of someone who's actually struggled than someone that's run into God and they've actually struggled? Who better to to help someone with like an eating disorder than someone who's actually been there? Who better to be the person that's been through the pain of divorce or abuse or unfaithfulness or bankruptcy or loss of child or chemotherapy than someone that's actually been there to talk about God's comfort and his grace in their life. God never wastes hurt in our lives. And if you're willing, God will take the pain and the struggle and recycle it and get this. It will ripple on people in ways that you will not know until you walk into heaven. Let's put it together. A few years ago, someone asked me this question. And it was one of those questions that can be very uncomfortable. And this was the question. It was more of a statement. Kel, live your life as if there is a video team following you around and capturing every moment. Think about the implications of that. So let me ask you a question. What would they catch? What would they see? What would be documented? How do you feel about that? Let's make it real personal. What do you think your kids would say about that? Pretty intrusive thought, isn't it? Which is interesting. Jesus had another way of saying it. And he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but yourself are lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory, the glory of Father and the Holy Angels. So do you want to get well? Let me pray for us.